1: Find a location near you at Bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA member FDSE.
2: Okay, this is Nick Egan saying, whenever you get the chance, listen to what difference does it make? Keeps you in touch with the past and keeps you back in the future.
0: Well thanks Nick for that introduction and you are of course tuned into the What Difference Does It Make podcast. Joined as always with my partner Holly, we're going to start talking about videos. Nick directed some of our favorite music videos from the 80s and 90s and we're going to talk a little bit about the ins and outs of what goes into making a video and what made these videos so memorable. So let's get started. Your first video for, for a Real Wild Child, I was I watched yeah. it yesterday. There is a quick, very quick shot of a woman wearing a Nevermind the Bollocks t-shirt. Did you throw that oh. in as like a nod to Malcolm, like a thank you? Or is that just... You, it's know, just what, you know what,
2: I, yeah, I think what happened with that, I was given the footage from the Ritz. And they they played at the Ritz, so it might have been an audience member. I can't remember, I have a look at it again, I haven't seen that video for a long time. I don't think so, David. In all honesty, I think I think if anything happened, it kind of happened accidentally because I didn't really know what the hell I was doing when I was making <laughs> that video because I'd never done anything before, and I was trying to do graphics on it, and and um and and I wanted to distort the images, of, and I took some photographs I'd done on the photo shoot from 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 um, blah blah blah, but it was um I literally would landed in L.A. and was given that job because I did the album cover because they needed it out quickly and. And I was lucky because, and I say this a lot, the first thing you do is really important to what you do, eventually. I was really lucky that my first record cover was The Clash. The Clash is uh, White Men (laughs) and Hammers Palais. My first album cover was Dexter's Minute Runners, which is an iconic thing. And then... Wow, wow, wow. my first video was with, the Inix, with the Iggy Pop and you can't yeah you know, they're, they're difficult to argue with those in terms of of selling yourself to people because you know they, they, they're considered influential so I wasn't conscious of that at the time and I, and, I, and I wasn't conscious of where I sat with the culture that was I was involved in in those days and as opposed to now you really had to go out and be in the way you had to go and circle you had to go and network if you like you had to go and meet people you had to you had to put your profile whereas of now you do all that with social media you didn't you, you couldn't do that then you had to actually be out and and meet people and and I still think I was recently invited to Nike to do a, an inspirational speaker program where they invite people up to come and speak to their staff on their campus and I was invited to do that and I went up there and I talked to the, these yeah these kids who, who basically have got everything that I didn't have in terms of when I was younger, nobody invited me to come, someone like me to come and talk to them. They'd bring the world to these people who sit by the computers. And I said, You know, I think it's great you've got the technology and the research you've got at your fingertips. That's something I never had. You know, I had to go to a library. You've got this, and I think that's a wonderful thing. And I said, But biggest inspiration, I think, if anything, is meeting people. And this generation seems to be so loath in doing that. They'd rather text than speak on the phone. They'd rather email than go and have a meeting. They'd rather, and, and I said, you, I meet people, all kinds of people, and people are still the greatest inspiration. You'll meet people that you have no clue what they're about, and then they'll start telling you things, and then you'll go, oh, my God, what an incredible story. So meeting people, I think, is – it's like even – I was thinking about you and I, Dave, and how the, the, we met under these things, <laughs> and neither of us knew anything about what each other did, but we, somehow we got this connection, and then it took us to this point. That would never have happened, I don't think. If it was just based off of um, being on uh, uh, social media, you can really pick and choose who you want to meet that way. You can't pick and choose who you want to meet when you go out into the world. That's true. You bump into that.
0: One of my favorite pictures that's on your website is you're at the, I guess it's the boy George's birthday party in the '82. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, paint that picture for me. I'm kind of curious as to what was going on at that time.
2: You know, took that. You know, took that picture. Please tell me, Andy Warhol. (laughs) <laughs> <And> so, okay. <laughs> and I said, no it was it was at mr chow's in new york we were having dinner at mr chow's and andy warhol was a really loved george when i first moved to new york i saw andy warhol walking down the street and i flipped out i'm like because he was my favorite artist when i was was my favorite. And my girlfriend at the time said oh god you you know that's nothing you andy warhol's everywhere and he was she was right i mean andy warhol literally was wherever you went to and he never said much he was very much a voyeur Andy was and And he was at that camera, and so he took that picture, and I guess it ended up in Interview Magazine. But there was his um, goddaughter, Kay Harrington, was the fashion editor of Interview Magazine. And she said, oh, I want to do, they were doing this thing about music. And she said, I want to do an interview with my friend Nick Egan. He's an album cover designer. And when she showed the interview, he said, I know that, man. I see him everywhere. He said, that's great that he does something, because obviously he realized most people in York didn't (laughs) actually do anything. I did something. So he said, oh, I'd like to do something special for him. And Kate said, well, he loves your work. So I, he gave me this book, and he's, he's signed his name all the way through it, and he's drawn big hearts, and, and love Andy Warhol. So I've got this fantastic book. It's probably worth a lot of money now, with Andy Warhol writing all the way through it. But that when he took that picture, he didn't know who the hell I was. I just happened to be sitting with boy George. George in New York had a birthday, and it was like he had one at the, um, the limelight, Mr. Chow's it went on all night this party and so and I because I've worked with George I did a couple of his record covers and designed his logo Mm -hmm. and yeah I was one of the people he knew in New York before he moved there we used to go out all the time together and stay up late and yeah have a lot of fun and that picture came up I don't know who posted that picture I think George put it on his website actually and then Mark Jacobs also retweeted it so um, yeah so that's a so it goes beyond just the photograph it goes on that Andy Warhol took the picture (laughs) Anything else? <laughs> I was thinking. There's this, girl, this friend of mine who lives in New York, and her name's Oberon. And she and I went to. We just went to the 50th anniversary recently. Went to the 50th anniversary of the moon landing, because Duran Duran played there. And her and I said we should do a two-man show because you know, she knows Chris Blackwell and she she comes from London too. But I said we should do a stand-up together called "The Art of Name Dropping" <laughs> because because when I say it to people, I think I'm name-dropping, but but these are people I know. And, and so it'd be like me saying my next door neighbor's name, but it happens to be Andy Warhol. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And we thought that was a really funny idea, the art of name dropping, that yes, we, we name dropped. That's because we're involved in that circle. And, and we're both quite funny, but that so we're thinking of doing this two-man show at some point of, of, in a funny way of the things that we've done and the accidental things we've kind of bumped into. But, um, and I'll tell you, and just to emphasize that point, when I was working with Bob Dylan and he was in LA, we we're at we we're at Dave Stewart's. Dave Stewart was having this party, and as, <laughs> as I'm talking to Bob, and George Harrison walks by, and Bob stops George and goes, "George, you know Nick? Nick, this is George." And I just said, "You can't really beat that being introduced <laughs> to George Harrison by Bob Dylan." <laughs> that was pretty, that that wasn't lost on me at the time. You know that 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 was um, you know. This is weird. Bob Dylan's introducing me to George Harrison. And George Harrison said, oh, hi, Nick. How are you doing? Obviously, you have to have um, – there are moments when you go, shit, I'm in the middle of something really, really big here. And this is like, I don't know what – this is, but this is this is an important moment. But you can't get too involved with it. You've got to think about it. You've got to put yourself on – yeah, because I'm impressed with some of the people I've met. I tell you the – the person I've most been impressed ever meeting, though, was a guy called Tom Kenny. Do you know who he is? He does the SpongeBob I, I was hands. about to
0: say, that's, yeah. <laughs> that, that is the, SpongeBob, the SpongeBob, SpongeBob guy. We've uh, talked about was, him before.
2: He, <laughs> his kids were at my kids' uh, elementary school. And at the school gala, he was there. And I, was, I went up to him and I said, oh, my God, it's, like, I, it's so great to meet you. I said, my kids love you. I said, in fact, I love you. And he turned around to me and he spoke to me in SpongeBob's voice, and that—that that to me was was one of the great. To me, that was I was more impressed with that than anything any other person I've met. Just and the fact that he talked to me with the SpongeBob voice just blew me away. So
0: he's also in a band. What, he's a rock. Art, uh, he's an artist. He's a musical artist too. He's yeah, in a no. He's, a, he's a great
2: guy. And he used to yeah. come to the school and read stories to the kids. I was thinking how lucky those kids were. But
0: yeah,
2: oh. yeah that that and I could quite honestly say. The reason why was because I was a fan was because I, I wasn't involved in his world. Mm-hmm. It was that was a different world I knew not that much about. And the SpongeBob, me and the kids still watch them to this day because they're so brilliantly funny. Mm-hmm. So that was the only time I really, at the moment, was why I could. I felt like a, I was I was stuttering to him, you know, <laughs> and and he was he was great. So yeah, I think those some of those people that I've come across has been on a professional level and you have to sort of keep maintain a professional sense of what what the situation is. That their, their lives are constantly bombarded by people wanting to talk to them and, and 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 I think that's what you have to be when you become in the public eye. But I also get the fact that once in a while you don't want to be talking to someone that's just idolising you. You want to be able to talk to somebody on a one-on-one and, and that's why I've had to from the very beginning had to really look at it, everything I've done from a professional point of view. When I look back on it, I'm more impressed about what happened than I am at the time, if you see what I'm saying. Obviously, I, could, I couldn't I could not be impressed by some of the things I've, and some of the people I've met when I look back on it. But at the time, you have to look at it from a purely normal point of view as much as you can. Yeah, but, yeah, I'm lucky. I mean, I have worked with some of the best bands that have been around, and even if they're not the most successful bands, it's certainly like Sonic Youth, you know. I did two videos with Sonic Youth, and they were just the greatest people to work with. And Mm. I saw them play at the Hollywood Bowl not too long ago. They never change. They've never changed their sound. They don't add strings. They don't do remixes. That is a cacophony of a wall of sound. And I thought, oh, is it going to work at the Hollywood Bowl? But it did. It was brilliant. Did you see it? And they I, played the Hollywood Bowl?
0: No, that must have been, God, they broke up it was, like five years, or a while ago. Yeah, so it, was yeah, while, yeah it was a while ago. But yeah, I've, it? Yeah, it was a I've while. seen Sonic Youth before and they were in a small club, but yeah, that's, uh, yeah. the Bowl, that would well, be and a, I pretty they, amazing. And
2: I, I thought they were, I, but honestly, I thought that they weren't going to pull it off. I thought they were like very much going to be a small club type of band, but no, they, they just, it just was one of the best shows I've ever seen because it worked in that environment. And, what you love about them or what you loved about them was they stuck to what they did. And it took me a while when I did Youth Against Fascism to even figure out if there was a melody in there somehow. Yeah, and and I was struggling a little bit with the song because the song didn't, didn't blow me away, but over the test of time, it really... You, you really get it, and, and I get why that was so beloved by me, was that sound.
0: We're going to take a quick break, and we will be right back. Enjoying yourself, Holly? Uh,
1: this is so awesome. I have so much more. There's so much more to cover here. Okay.
3: <laughs> uh- <laughs> Hello, Pantheon Podcast listeners. Christian Swain here to tell you more about my experience with Raycon earbuds.
1: What difference does it make with nick egan our special guest
0: you were at the precipice of alanis morissette's ascension oh, yeah. to to like uh, i mean you ought to know just launched her that was like a beatles moment it, you know like that was yeah. a moment but apparently not a big fan or what uh what was the, what's the uh, story behind all of this
2: Okay, well, that's, a, yeah, that's an interesting story. and, and I break my
0: heart here? Uh, yeah. yeah, Holly is a huge Atlantis fan. So. I'm not, I'm I was going to say something
2: what, about that after and about the video after, but yeah. Okay, well, what happened was I was... Uh, I'd, I'd done a video for uh, Madonna's label. Um, what was it called again? Um, Maverick. Um, yeah. Maverick, yeah, Maverick Records. And I did a group called Candlebox. And Gaia oh. Siri was the... Gaia Siri was the sort of A&R person over there at the time. And I knew him because I... I made a video with a group called Concan and Guy was one of the extras in it with this guy called Bronx Style Bob, who was like, who was close to um, Guy. And so years later, when Guy was just this snotty-nosed kid, became this kind of like big A&R person, he always remembered me and he asked me to do a video for Candlebox, far behind. And it was right, at the, the whole Nirvana, Seattle thing, and they were sort of riding a little bit on the Seattle bandwagon. And so I did a video for them and it went massive. In fact, I think it was the most played video on MTV that year. Probably, Um, And so along came Alanis Morissette and Guy said to me, we've got this new artist called Alanis, would you do a video for us? So I kind of did. And as a personal thing comes into this, because what happened, I'd just broken up with the mother of my first child, Roman, and she had been brought in as a temporary person to work in the music video department of Maverick. And so I didn't want to, I didn't want to have anything to do with, with her so I kinda of tried to say I wasn't interested in the video, right? I didn't want to do the video. But the guy kept on and on and on and he wanted me to meet a and I met with Alanus and I and I, you know, I saw what she'd done before. She was this bubblegum kind of like <laughs> mini skirted Canadian pop star. And I didn't think she had too much credibility. And she and you know what she she was blooming at that point. She had teenage acne and she had a monobrow. Yeah, I mean, I'll be honest. She just didn't look like she was going to work on film, so I kept trying to pass on it. And then, in the end, I said, "Oh, I'll just test it to the limit." I, I took a piece of legal paper and I wrote, "I want to do the Alanis video in Death Valley. She will look good." And that was my treatment for it. And they bought. They, they said, "Okay." <laughs> so we go out to the we go out to the desert, and, and my crew for the first time said to me, "And I didn't." To be honest, I just knew we go to Death Valley. I didn't really know what I wanted to do. I had no idea. And my crew kept saying to me, what are we doing? What are we doing? As we went, we're went. setting up into Brisky Point. point, And one of the people on the set, a friend of mine who was a photographer, Michelle Larita, had this little suitcase. And there was that time when those little um, cat stickers. I don't know if you remember those cat stickers you get from those little vending machines, those kitty cat stickers. I think so. And she had them on this. And I said, that's it. I've got it. Because when you listen to the lyric, I hate to bug you in the middle of dinner. This was an 18-year-old girl who had not recently lost her virginity. And she I guess this guy was a 36-year-old guy, and she took it really personally that to him it was nothing. You know, to her it was a big deal. So I thought that line to me, I hate to bug you in the middle of dinner, was ironic because actually what she really, she did want to bug him in the middle of dinner, and nothing was going to stop her from doing this mission wherever it was. So now I saw this Terminator type of character, this, this aggrieved woman, who wanted to go and, and, and have it out with this person. Nothing was going to stop her. She could walk the entire length of the nation to get there. So this suitcase was this metaphor for her, Where right? This is where I get her changing. You know, she stops and she changes into another outfit and she keeps walking and then she's running and then you end up in the most spectacular part of this country, which is Death Valley. I've got an obsession with Death Valley anyway. But she's in the middle of Death Valley. And she's walking and she's coming to sing and, and I started cutting and I thought, you know, we shot it on Super 8, and I thought, oh, you know, out of, out of nothing, I've made something. I've made this story. Super 8 made it really easy to move around, so we didn't have to get locked into shop lists. It was really, let's do it over there, let's do it over there. We had the, um, you know, the rangers with us were helping us out uh, to get to places that the normal public couldn't get to. And then um, we, when I did the final edit, she sent a note and said, I love the edit, Nick. I've just got a few changes. So I went to her little house when she had this little bungalow in um, Santa Monica, and then she um, she proceeded to give me twenty pages of changes. And I'm like, hold on a second. I said, she goes, I want this, this, and I said, no, no, you know what? You don't understand. She goes, I want more close-ups. Now the reason I didn't do close-ups because her skin was bad, and she had this monobrow and this the way she was delivering the song was intense. Don't get me wrong. It was great, but it didn't make her look attractive. She was, she was mugging and she was pulling these faces. I didn't tell her that, but I said, you got to trust me. I said, this is, this is super film. It's not very flattering. on close up. I said, and also people are not going to want to see. Uh, ironically, she did that video. that was just a close up of her face, which I thought was ironic after I've just done that. She, I said, you can't have a, people are going to get, it's going to be too much if we, all you see is close up so we had this argument and she was telling me she was right and I was saying I was right because I was the one that had the track record and I was the one that had success on MTV she hadn't done anything before except in Canada and blah, blah. so we had this argument about it and then she kind of insisted she was right and made one condition to what she said and that was the bit in the middle where you see the, 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 the crossfades that was her idea where, where you kind of like go from I was all about cuts not, not dissolves and so we did this kind of crossfade thing and, and I give her credit that worked. So anyway, not too long, then not too long after that, I saw an interview with her in the LA Times where she said, well, I didn't like the video very much until, until I changed it and made it work. And I was really insulted by that. So then a, a thing came up. It got the, it got, I can't remember what's, what, where it was, but it was, it was put down as the 10 most influential videos of the last 25 years. And that video was in it for the reason being, the way it changed the perception of women in rock music. Up until then, most women were considered just like a, a titillation to a video. And even the scene, this is the first time a woman rocked out as a front person in a video, and it ended up inspir- being inspiration for the Lilith Fair, and all these things came as a result of it. And that's why it was, in- that's why it's great. I personally never liked I, I was I, To me, I, I wasn't a big fan of that video. I had better videos I, I liked more, like the Oasis videos. And so they came to me. At this tv station said so they wanted to do an interview with me about it and as i was finishing the interview i said "Does an honest know i'm doing this interview and they said no not yet i said i bet you when she finds out i'm doing it because she wasn't going to do it i said i bet you when she finds out i've done it she'll want to do it and sure enough she did and she did this thing where she said well nick wasn't very happy with the ideas but i think what i said improved the whole video which was just bullshit and it just shows you the Cult celebrity because they took her side rather than my side on it, and actually, I'd say ninety percent of that video is everything that I did it, and ten and percent was her idea. And I've seen her since. I saw her at a friend's wedding, and we kissed and made up, and you know. But she will never admit that that was a video that really broke her career, and I did it. It's just funny because I didn't give a shit about it. I didn't want to do it. I tried everything I could not to do it. even to the point of writing a treatment that had no information on it at all. It was just like, I want to to go to make a video in Death Valley, Alanis will look great in it. And it turned out to be one of my most successful videos in terms of what it did. I would be interested to know what your viewpoint on it is, Holly, because as I said, it was considered on this this 10 of the most influential videos because of what it did for women in the the place of music. So what was your thing you were going to say?
1: That's exactly what it was. Who was Alanis Morissette? Because I heard the song... I was working for a radio network at the time, and that's we had these great. these, these um, hit discs, you know, with new new releases for the week. And that was the first time I heard the song, and I yeah. went gaga over the song itself. Uh, I mean, in my early twenties, you know, yeah. had a huge impact on me. So of course, I, I wanted to hear more by her. But then when I saw the video, first of all, I thought the video was beautiful. I love the color. I loved everything about it. But it's funny; it left me it hearing. That's why hearing the story now is so yeah. is so great because it left me wanting to see more of her. Right. And now I'm wondering, had I seen more of her in the video, more yes. close-ups of her in the video, would I have felt differently? What kind of impact would that have had on me? But it had that video had a huge impact because it did exactly what you're saying, women and rock, and she seemed so powerful to me. Yeah. And, yeah, she was. And I didn't know at the time, I didn't know a lot about her Hadn't well, nobody it. did. I had not know until later about her Canadian,
2: you know. Her yeah, no, yeah, cheesy. Roots. It was very cheesy, that side. But you're absolutely right. And I think those things, those moments, you can never predict them because I certainly didn't go out of my way to promote her as, who is um, Alanis Morissette. It was more avoiding her. The, <laughs> I mean, there's a couple of shots you can see it, which is really close to camera. It's out of focus. You can yeah. tell she's pulling this really light face. And I thought, that's going to put, people off you're gonna look at it and go oh my god not because she's a woman just because it just was it was way too in your face and so I never planned it to be that way I never planned any of it to be that way I never planned it at all that was the funny thing about it all was like very off the off the hip and it ended up being super successful and then you can try and do that and try your hardest to try and repeat that and you can never do it again it just it's one of those things that just everything kind of aligned to that Reason the reason that I didn't want to do it, the reason she wanted to have just close-ups, the reasons it was most of it was shot from a long distance, and, and you know what? I tell you one thing though to give her credit, and I did give her credit for it because it was a was a great song. There was a moment, and I, and I think if you look at the video when she's in the the salt lake flatbeds, the white, where she's in the white, she's put she's got this white thing on, and we were shooting that. I think it's one of the first things we shot, and. She was running and she was rolling on the floor. And I looked at my crew and done every music video you could ever see so they could give a shit about music videos. Every single one of them's jaw was dropped. They were looking at that going, and I I always remember that going, again, at that moment, this woman's got something. Much as I might not get on with her. I mean, at that point, I did get on with her. I only didn't get on with her when it came to the edit. I got on with her great up until that point. But I just remember being with his crew, and I always look at my crew and say, they respond, and most of the time they're doing other stuff, and this person's performing. But this one, every single one of them was looking at her. And I thought, that it shows that she's got something. She was an incredible, incredible performer. I mean, just her confidence, her, her kind of like, you would have thought she was doing that to save her life, the intensity she put into that performance. And she kept that level the whole time through the shoot. She she maintained that level of, of like intensity. She's an intense person. You her
1: um, lyrics. I mean, you tell by her lyrics how deep just I don't think yeah. I would want to get in there.
2: <laughs> no, no, and I wouldn't want to be that guy that she wanted to bug in the middle of dinner. Let's just tell me that. I mean, that, that was that was the line that was the line that really turned it for me because I just thought I hate to bug you in the middle. It was such a sarcasm and such a that's what that's what got it to me because because I thought that's exactly what she wants to do. She wants to walk in my like guys having dinner with somebody else and cause a scene right in front and not give a shit. And I thought that was a brilliant thing. And, th- and that in a way was an empowerment of women, even though I think her motives were naive. Because you know, at 18, being with a man that's holding yourself, you learn a quick and rude lesson about life. Because it was important to her. She lost her virginity, it was a big deal to her. But to other people, it's just another day, you know, and the fact that she took that so intensively showed her naivety, but in a way also showed her strength because she didn't care that people thought that. So I've got, listen, I've got a lot of respect for her. I just think the way she slanted it in the media just bothered me more than anything else. Like she was really reticent to give me credit for it, even though, I mean, she deserves credit because she was a performer. She was great. But, you know, I, I deserve credit for actually capturing that on, on, on film and pushing her to, to to what I did by making up this story of her. This is what you're going to be. You're going to be like the Terminator. That's what I told her. That, you know, in the Terminator, you can't stop Arnold Schwarzenegger. He just keeps going and going and going. And that was what I put in her head. I said, you're the Terminator. You're coming across the country. Nothing, nothing, not the military going to stop you from getting to where you're going to go. And she took that on and she did it really, really well. So... Yeah, the other stuff was accidental, but but yeah, it was great, powerful, I'm you know.
1: A, I'm offended at that, I mean, I, I, about her. I, I You know, considering that video pretty much, I mean, the music also, but launched her into stardom.
2: And it's weird because if you look at all those subsequent videos, they're nothing like that. <laughs> they're nothing like it. They're very slightly hippie, slightly, you know, she did that when she was naked, which I think was a big mistake with Stefan sitting away. She did it, the, the, the toe close up, which, which I think is yeah it was it was interesting I, I think that it wasn't the kind of video that she really would have done herself but it was because I was so used to working with bands and I was so good at bringing out performance in people and I think the record label convinced her that it was right and she did everything she was great when I was working with her but I noticed that everything after that was nothing like you you no know, never she never really rocked out like that no definitely
1: not.
2: I, I think I'm. I think I'm sort of lightening up on you know because you do a job. There's been videos I've done and I've gone, oh, you know what? I didn't enjoy that, so I don't enjoy looking at the video. And that was one. I think I've sort of lightened up on that a little bit because because of its place in in kind of cultural history in terms of of what it did. And I was when I watched the when I watched the, that program about it. And, and the way people were talking about it, and the way people were going on about what it meant, and and then they were interviewing girls and saying that that gave us that gave us authority, and that gave us a place, and that gave us power. Then it touched me that that I had been involved because I'm a big, big supporter of women and equality for women and women in, in rock, and so so to so have had a part in that because I always had as many women on the crew as I could get. My, yeah, I was always close. To, my, my producers were always women. To have had that effect on women and yourself as well, Ali, is a proud moment for me to have done in a political sense of what I've done. You know, so, so yeah, I'm, I'm beginning to see it more and more um, from that point of view than I did from my own personal point of view. But thank you for saying that. <laughs>
1: Pleasure, but also don't get me wrong, I'm a bit, I'm
2: a fan of the other, the NXS and the, you know, Duran right. and all that as well. Okay, someone asked me recently when I did this interview with the, the Duran Duran fan website, and they asked me, you never really ever feel like you finish what you finish. You, 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 you have to hurry up, you've got to finish your deadline, so you have to finish, you have to make compromises. The one video I've ever done, it's one of my most recent videos, it's the Duran Duran pressure off video. Because that was the first time I've been, A, it was like, it, yeah, when I, when I talked to Nick Rhodes about it, he said he said it should be like the NXS Kid cover. So that was great. But it's the only video I've ever done when it ended up being exactly as I saw it in my head, exactly without anything. I've always seen it in my head and it's always come out slightly different, sometimes better, sometimes not as good as, but that video was exactly as, as I saw it. And what I got from that video was every single shot in that video is an individual. I've never got them together in one place and that's a shoot. The band in London, and actually shoot Nile Rogers and Janelle Monet in Los Angeles. And I've got to give Simon credit because I said, "Simon, you got to play this like you're on stage with everyone. You have got to work. You got because otherwise it won't work." Yeah. And we gave him c stands as, as like, "Okay, this is where John is. This is where this is where Nicky is." And these were he didn't need the eyelines. He said, "You can take the eyelines away." And if you look at the video, you look at him. He looks over just when Janelle Monet comes into it. He looks over where John is, and he makes it come together. And, and, and to me, it really got. And first of all, with Duran Duran, and with any band, whether it's an album covers, the same with In Excess. Uh, the reason I did the kick cover is because you can, if you take a photograph of five guys in a band, there's always going to be one that doesn't look very good, or two. <laughs> and, and it's really almost impossible getting all five people to look great at the same time. But if you shoot them as individuals, which I did with the In Excess cover, and then montage it together, everybody can look great in it. And that's what happened in that Duran Duran video in terms of, yeah, Nick looked great because I worked on his individual shots. John looked great. So and then when you put them together, and then you got someone like Janelle Monae, who's got such a great energy, and so like it, like she raises everything up to a high level. Then I go, I got the perfect. That was the perfect storm for me. It all, all, all really came, but it still had an influence of the '80s and the '90s in it.
0: One of my probably top ten songs is "Live Forever," and I love the band Oasis, and I'm sure and the Gallagher Boys are probably like insane i just need to hear what <laughs> you I must have some what what are your impressions of the gallagher brothers or you know like well uh, the
2: first time i went to see them play at the whiskey they I, I got there too late because liam had stormed off stage so i missed that, that then sounds I went about for right dinner with them with epic records they took me and them out for dinner he goes oh we don't give a fuck what the story is he goes, the fucking video better be good i was gonna kick your fucking head in he said and then i worked with him and they were really, like, naughty on that thing with the drug abuse on that video. But um, but I kind of got something out, out of them, and it was based off the Bowie Man of to Earth film, that, that whole video. I always, have, I always have film references back in my because I'm such a fan of films, and in particular Stanley Kubrick, and and I love Nicholas Rogue and Federico Fellini, and and there's always an element of those in there. But the Live Forever video, to me, was almost as good as It was almost the perfect storm in that one because it's almost perfect video because I took the, I like to be ironic, I, I like to use irony in, in what I do a lot. And the idea of live forever said to me, well, people who are dead, like musicians, they live for, they, they, they live forever. Painters live forever. Um, filmmakers live forever. Actors live forever because you can always see them no matter what generation it is. So I took, I thought, well, okay, that's a good basis of it. That, that comes from, a film called Performance by Nicholas Rowe with Mick Jagger in it, James Fox, where Mick Jagger is, with Anita Pallenberg, is this kind of burnt-out rock star that lives in Notting Hill Gate somewhere and it's all hippie and mushrooms and James Fox is this Cray Twins type type of gangster that is, in a way, is almost regimental, like soldier-like, clean, neat, and he comes into this world of mushrooms and drugs And, and I thought that was a great sort of metaphor for the whole Live Forever thing and I... Chose to put Mark Bolan, uh, Brian Jones,
0: Jimmy um, Hendrix,
2: and and various wow. Sid Vicious, all these rock stars. And in the original movie, he's got pictures of racehorses. So so I decided to put these these um, live for, these, these 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 people in our culture live forever. And it was really tricky on that one because Liam did not want to act. Fucking hate acting. he said, "I'm not a fucking actor." And and um, the very last shot of the video. It's him walking off. Off, I've had a fucking enough. And he storms off. So I left, it in the, I left it in the video. But the interesting thing about that, it was commissioned by Epic, the American Epic Records. And the guy that was the video commissioner was with me on the set was like, you know, Liam doesn't do anything. He just stands there. And, and he kept saying to me, you've got to get him to move around. You've got to get him to move around. I said, you can do that. I'm not going to go and tell this guy to jump around when he's obviously not known for jumping around. But he looks too boring. So what I have to give my credit to my editor Nicholas wyman Harris, the genius of that video is kind to Liam when he's doing nothing. When he's not even seeing it, he's just staring. And I think that that really pushed that what Liam was doing was cool. He didn't have to jump around. You know, he, he could be, But they were, I did something I about six videos for them. I mean, Duran Duran and Oasis are the most I've ever done videos for. And they 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 kept with me. They 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 hate making them. I think the one I also did in Death Valley for "Who Feels Love" was one of my favorite videos because it was it, it just was stunning to look at. But I had a sort of camaraderie with them, and it was over. Dave, it was over soccer because they're Man City supporters, and oh. and we did a lot of talking about soccer. And you know, I support Chelsea, they support Man City, and we we had big conversations about that. I, you know, I got on with them relatively well. They they like to be contrary and they are sort of purposely negative. That's their thing. Mm. They hate everything, hate everybody, hate everything. We said, really, they don't. They do. This is a big act, as far as, they're con- as far as I'm concerned. But no, they, they, they were again some of the best things I did was, and I think Live Forever really does stand out to me because that that was the video that really broke them in the states. I did I did um, Supersonic, but then I did Live Forever, and Live Forever was the one that they got the bus clip on MTV. I mean, it's, again, it's when MTV were like, if you got it on MTV, and I remember the head of Epic calling me saying, you better guarantee this is going to make it on MTV. And I said, I can't guarantee anything. It's, like, it's not down to me, but it did. And it got the buzz clip and, and it really broke them in America. They never made it as big in America as they could have done, but, but that certainly took them over into the next level, really, for that, that video. I look at it and I go, I'm very proud of it. It came out second to the Duran Duran video in terms of how I saw it in my head, mm. you know.
0: The top for me. Anything else? <laughs> um, Well, talk about. Let's talk about where you are now.
2: I've been doing a lot of artwork. I've been doing a, some, some video, a few videos. I, I work with this fashion company called The Superb, and I shot a promotional video for them. This is on the website, you know. Um, and um, I've been working with Mindy Abair, who was the um, chairman. Of, she was the president of the Grammys when I was on the. board. I was a governor at the Grammys for two years, and she was the president. And her and I, she's a, she's a preeminent jazz. Tax player in the world, female, just. And, and I, I was just working on a new album cover with her. And there's another artist who I was working to do a video with who was in a band called Fabulon, who I did a video 20 years ago. It was a brilliant song that never kind of made it called Inner Mood. And he's coming out with a new record, which is great. It's a brilliant sort of glam rock record. And I was about to do a video for him. So, what I've been doing in the meantime is shooting miniatures. I've, I've been making these miniatures and shooting exteriors as miniatures. So, so, yeah, I keep constantly busy. I don't, You don't get paid a lot of money like you used to anymore, but you keep busy, basically, in order to survive. So that's what we're all it. trying to do here. <laughs> yeah, that's what we're all trying to do. And, and at the same time, stay healthy.
0: Exactly. You
2: know? oh, I'm always busy. You know, I've got a certain independence because I do I shoot. I did a video for this girl, this Australian girl, which is also on my website. And she's a wrestler, and we went out to the desert, and I used all my family to help me with that. My son was a camera and my daughter who's only 14 was a stunt driver believe it or not she drove (laughs) a stunt car i mean you know because we were down these desert roads and my other son was was helping with with uh, driving the 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 follow car so um i've got them all involved in it and and um and it turned out to be a pretty good video yeah and i'm doing i get invited to do go and speak at, at, at certain places and and get a lot of interviews so yeah. that's good keeps me relevant i suppose
0: for sure that's why thank we want to talk welcome. to you <laughs>
2: yeah it's great it's great to talk yeah, it's really yeah. talking to you, but I, I really do appreciate what the two of you do i've enjoyed this i've subscribed to your your podcast yeah yeah uh, okay. yeah so, yeah. so, so um uh, despite me being involved with it or not i, I, I thought it was an interesting thing to be to to, to, to to have an access to so all right so guys so i hope it all turns out well thank you Perfect. Thank
0: you. All right. So that yeah, that was great. Thank you so much, Nick. I really appreciate the time. Great. Love having you here. This thanks. was this was wonderful.
2: Next time if we do another one it'd be nice to do it sitting down with in the same room.
0: That's right. And maybe uh, I'll see you on the yeah. pitch. We can, uh, you know, if you got to pick up yeah. a soccer game or something we could play. All right. Thanks a lot, Take Nick. Care. Yeah, thank you. Thank Bye. you. Bye. See you around. Bye. Bye. Nick Egan everybody. Well, thank you so much for tuning in. Make sure to follow us. You can find us at uh, on our website wddimpodcast.com. Facebook, it's WDDIM Podcast. Twitter, the same. Instagram, the same. We have a very active Facebook page. If you listen on Apple, hey, five stars, reviews. We love it all, of course. Until next week, this is Dave. This is Holly. Check you later.
1: Have a great night.
3: It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football.